Hi, Scott Walker here in another edition of Freedom Fighters. Thanks so much for joining us. Wow, what an exciting week. I hope you've had a chance to see at least the video about our new long game plan. Go to yaf.org slash long game. You can actually get your free copy of our 12 point action plan. That's right, it's not just some white paper, some document, some initiative. It really is a 12 point action plan and it's simple. Why are we doing this? Well, America's under siege. Uh, we've seen it for decades on our college campuses, but it's only gotten worse, particularly in this past year. We see it now seeping into our culture and increasingly even into our communications with censorship from big tech on Twitter and Facebook and elsewhere. But what we're seeing right now didn't happen overnight. The left has been at this for decades. It goes all the way back to the 1960s, even before I was born with Saul Alinsky. And you've seen their systematic plan marching forward. Yeah, sure, I remember back in the 80s when I was in college, without a doubt, there were plenty of left-wing professors, but those of us with conservative viewpoints still had a voice. We still had a chance to push our ideas going forward, and we weren't shamed off of campuses. Even a few years ago, we could see the bias. I, I remember my two sons today, Matt and Alex, are 26 and 25. I remember my eldest, Matthew, when he was in high school at a government-run school in Wauwatosa, a suburb of Milwaukee, he had a great teacher in one of his AP uh, government classes. Uh, this teacher, you know, was tried to be fair. You go in her classroom, she'd had all these different posters and campaign signs from Republican and Democrat alike. She tried to be fair and even handed. But I remember one of the nights Matt came home with a assignment from the textbook that was a part of that class. That chapter was in part about Ronald Reagan's tax cuts and how they brought about the deficits of the 1980s. Well, that's just not the facts. That's just not the case. Uh, so I went and got a, a different book, actually a book authored by one of our speakers now at YF. And, and I assigned that to him, gave him a, a counter to the textbook he had. But it was just such an eye opener to the bias even inherent in the curriculum and the textbooks in our state and all across the country. It was a great reminder that even if a teacher was trying to be objective, the, the, the deck was stacked against them. And so for us, we look at this and see how in particular with uh, what used to be political correctness, now the cancel culture is such a, a determining and overwhelming factor. So many of our students feel intimidated. They feel marginalized. They feel like they're somehow out there alone. When we have conferences like the Freedom Conference we had earlier in February in Miami, thanks to Ron DeSantis with Florida being open, what we find at conferences like that is not only are students excited to be there, they're amazed that other people around them think like they do. I think there's strength in numbers. We need to let them know they're not alone and that someone has their back. And that is YF, Young America's Foundation. Uh, our long game plan is about winning not just the battle. We got to be engaged in the battle of the day for sure. But really the war, the war for the heart and soul of this great republic. It's going to take more than just a news cycle or even a presidential cycle. It's going to take the long game. And that's what the left's been up to. So let me talk you through a little bit of what we're, we're talking about, a few examples. You can get it all. Go to yaf.org slash long game to get your free copy. In fact, if you want, get more than one. Pass it on to your friends and neighbors. Pass it on to students that you know or, or sons or daughters, nieces or nephews, someone you might know who would be interested in what we're doing with the long game. And, and join us in this fight. Not just us, we're going to be aligned with other groups. I, I this weekend, I'm going to be talking to the College Republican State Convention in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, we want to engage with groups like that or Students for Life, where we've been great partners with, or other conservative organizations focused on youth. 
because we know that our ideas work. In my case, I know it does really well because a decade ago, I was going through, in many ways, what we're talking about right now. We, we had not hundreds, not thousands, but tens of thousands of protesters occupying our state capitol. Not for hours or even days, but literally for weeks. What were they doing? They were trying to intimidate us. Not just me, but my cabinet and our state lawmakers. They were trying to, to isolate us, to make us feel that somehow we were marginalized, that our ideas didn't make sense. In fact, I remember once at one of the press conferences we had, uh, I, I'd gotten wise after the first week, and I would hold a, a daily news conference at about 5 o'clock uh, Central Time so that I'd be live on one of the evening newscasts. And I would talk for a little bit and take questions, and if I was lucky, maybe the first 7 or 8, 9, 10 minutes, they would cover it live uh, both locally and around the state. Eventually, we had people coming in from the national cable networks and even some of the uh, networks themselves. I remember one of those days, and, and, and this continued, uh, the noise would get louder outside the Capitol because the people who were protesting and rioting figured out that we were live on television. So the noise started to echo. And one of those days, a reporter was there from, I believe, NBC News. And, and she said, well, Governor, uh, don't, don't you think, uh, do you hear the voices out there? The, do you hear the people protesting? Don't you think they have a right to be heard? And I thought about that. Actually, it wasn't a, a bad question. It was a relatively fair question considering the circumstances. And my response was simple. I said, yes, they absolutely have a right to be heard. That's what's great about America. You, you can actually protest your government and not live in fear or retribution like so many others do across the world. But I also stressed that as I said that, they have a right to be heard, but I said, let's put this in perspective. There are over a million and a half people living in that state, most of whom at that time were at home. They were working or they were with their families. They were in their communities. They weren't there riding around the state capitol. And I said, but remember, more than a million and a half people voted for me in the last election to do exactly the kind of big, bold reforms I'm doing. And I'm not going to let the voices of these protesters drown out those people who voted me in to do exactly what I'm set up to do. It was a great reminder. I think in many ways a lesson I took from our 40th president, Ronald Reagan, who, remember back even early in his term as president, the, the first year, 1981, that August, uh, he gave a warning to the air traffic controllers who were threatening uh, to uh, walk off the job. That was a violation of federal law. He warned them, repeatedly warned them, and then ultimately fired more than, I believe it was 15,000 at the time. Now, some people who don't understand history like to say, well, he, they were union workers. That was retribution because he was a Republican. What they forget is that the union representing those air traffic controllers had endorsed the president, not just in the presidential election, but early on in the primary. So if anything, this is a group he'd be endeared to. But they didn't do what the law required. And so he stood up and did the right thing, even though it was at incredible uh, political and personal risk. Because if something often awful had happened, uh, that could have very well been the end of his presidency. But he did what was right. And that's exactly what we did years later in Wisconsin. Under tremendous pressure, under tremendous efforts to marginalize and, and intimidate us, we did not back down. Uh, we made it through not just those early days, we made it through a recall election, being the only governor in American history uh, to survive a recall, and, and ultimately got reelected. And now today, a decade later, those reforms are still working for the hardworking people of Wisconsin. How does that apply to colleges? How does that apply to students? Well, they're facing some of the same efforts to try and intimidate them. And 
and not just students, but I think increasingly conservatives of all ages across this country with the cancel culture, with, with the efforts to wipe people off or at least uh, delay them or, or block them from posting uh, on big tech outlets like Twitter and Facebook. We've got to counter that. We've got to fight back, again, for the heart and soul of this great country. And so when we look at the long game plan, it's, it's simple. It's not, it's not enough to do what we just do. YAF, Young America's Foundation, has been around since William F. Buckley brought together about 100 college students at his home in Sharon, Connecticut. Uh, they put together what's now called the Sharon Statement, which is our mission statement, all about uh, preserving individual liberties, fighting for free enterprise, standing for a strong national defense, and, and uh, assimilating with traditional American values. Those are things that were important then, but they're even more important today. Those are positive messages we need to get out to the young people of America. One of our earliest leaders is Ronald Reagan, even before he took office. It's why we're proud that YF owns and operates the Reagan Ranch and now the Reagan Boyhood Home in Dixon, Illinois. Not just for a historical site, not just for historical preservation, but, but more importantly, to, to draw young people in as, as a magnet to come to our conferences to learn not just about Reagan the man, but equally, if not more importantly, the principles that, that he fought for and, and lived and served his public life for. Those are things that are timeless. And so we know the work that YF has been doing. Young America's Foundation under Ron Robinson's tremendous leadership now for, for decades has been one of the leading sources on college campuses for conservative thought, for conservative action, for conservative activism. But what we're doing is not enough. We can batch that up to what the left's doing, fighting on even more campuses, reaching even more students. When we look at what the left's doing and the radical elements of the left at that, to go not just into our high schools, but into our junior highs, and yes, even reaching out into elementary school, we've got to do more. So our ambitious plan takes on 12 action points, and I'll give you an example of a few of them. One, right off the bat, is to get a million more students involved as participants in our programs. We have conferences, seminars, events, chapters, speakers, you name it. When I think about why that's so important, I think of Katie Pavlich. Katie Pavlich, about 13 years ago, was a student attending who was encouraged to attend one of our conferences at the Reagan Ranch out in California. She said afterwards she really didn't know what she was going to do with her life. She didn't know what direction she was headed in. But that conference, in particular the speakers at that conference, changed her life forever. We need more young people like Katie Pavlich coming out of those programs and, and those yet to be discovered. We need to be a presence on every campus. Right now, YAF, YAF, uh, provides support for conservative students on more than 2,000 colleges and universities across America. But again, that's not enough because there's over 4,000 out there. And not only do we need to be with undergraduate students, we need to be with people going to two-year associate degree programs in our community and technical colleges. Those are practical folks who want to get in the workforce. We need to connect them with our free enterprise and free market solutions. Uh, we look at other ways we can reach out. We, we've got great speakers, not only like Katie, but Rachel Campos Duffy, Ben Shapiro, Michael Knowles, Alicia Krauss, even old-time favorites uh, like Art Laffer, who does a fabulous job with our students talking about economic opportunity and prosperity. We need to double down on the amount of speakers that we have. And oh, by the way, not just in-person events, we found during this last year a tremendous growth in our YouTube channel, YAF TV. We've seen acceleration there, and our goal going forward as part of the long game is to get up to 5 million subscribers and 1 billion views. 1 billion, that's a B. 1 billion views out there. Why? Because what we've found in all of our research is the number one way young people get their information today 
isn't through Twitter like you'd think in most media outlets. It's through YouTube. And what's exciting about that is people want content. They don't just want a meme. They don't just want a splash in the pan. They want full spectrum, uh, full feature content. And so we found over the years, thanks again to Ron Robinson, the leadership, we've been live streaming the speeches and the Q&A sessions we have with some of our great YF speakers. And during the pandemic, we were able to rebroadcast them. We also did some live virtual events, but amazingly, we actually found the taped events from live speeches on campus where not only the speeches were watched, but particularly we found that our students and just conservatives in general tuning in wanted to see the Q&A. I think that's potent because on campus, for sure, with professors and other students, uh, our young people want to hear, they want to lean in and hear, how do you respond to these outrageous charges? I think that's increasingly true with conservatives in general, with people who say their friends, their neighbors, their family, and Facebook, and even in personal interactions, are, are on the left are just so combative. They want to know how to respond. And these YouTube sessions, these, these full stream times, we cover not only speakers, but the Q&A, tremendous opportunities. We want to get up to 5 million subscribing to that and get up to a billion views because then you multiply the impact. Yes, we want to be on campus. We don't want to ignore that. We want to have record phenomenal numbers of, of speeches. We're already the leader, but we've got to do far more on our college campuses. But we also want to reach beyond just that campus to every other college student, to every other high school student, to every other conservative out there in America who wants to hear that message going forward. These are exciting times and exciting opportunities. We need to go beyond just college and high school into junior high, yes, we need to even help not only students, but their parents of students in elementary school. Earlier this year, our YAF tip line, in fact, you can go to yaf.org tips to get information about this, but our tip line, which has got tips all across the nation, typically finds stories about outrageous and radical and left-wing professors, about crazy ideas like segregating uh, resident assistants in their dorms or having different graduation sessions based on a race or sex or gender, just all sorts of ridiculous things that I think are fundamentally un-American. Uh, but we've also found, particularly in the case of Iowa, Iowa State, one of the students there gave us a tip about the local school district. Talked about this before, Ames, Iowa, not California, not New York, but in Iowa of all places. BLM partnered with the local school district. BLM had a BLM week of action, which was had little or nothing to do with black history. And instead for preschoolers and kindergartners all the way through 12th grade, but particularly for those younger students, they were giving them coloring pages talking about transgenderism and that they could pick or choose uh, whether or not they wanted to be a boy or a girl or something in between. That's just fundamentally wrong. Uh, later in the curriculum, they were talking about how fathers didn't have to be a part of the traditional family. Again, fundamentally wrong. Uh, not only because it's wrong on fact, but, but also why are those schools even involved in things at that age? They should be teaching our children how to interact with each other, uh, how to read, how to write, how to do fundamentals so they're ready for the rest of their career in school. That's how far they're going into try and teach this indoctrination. That's, that's how far the left is creeping into our society. That's why I say we've got to have a long game plan. And part of our plan in those instances is to give not just the students, but particularly parents, the tools that counteract that, the, the tools that talk about our Judeo-Christian values, the tools that, that talk about our founding principles and our iconic patriots who helped form this country, to contrast that with things like the 1619 Project and other things that are increasingly teaching our young people to hate America. 
What a stark contrast. We were in Miami. I, I loved being in Miami, not just because Florida is open, but because in Miami, we're so close to Cuba. So many of our speakers talked about Cuba. One in particular actually came from Venezuela, where they gave emotional pleas, not just based on logic, for which we are, that's our premise, that's our foundation, but also shared it with, with emotional ways of explaining that for their families and for their parents and grandparents, what it was like to live in socialist countries. Uh, over the years and even more going forward, we're gonna share not only people who come from Cuba and Venezuela, but people who come from old Soviet black countries and elsewhere to let people know that the promises of power to the people really translate into power to the few and poverty to the people, poverty to the masses. Uh, these are stories we need to tell across this country. And we need to share it not only with students, but part of our long game plan reaches out to educators, to professors and teachers, not only those who are conservative, but those who just want to be objective in their teachings. People like that teacher I mentioned with my son years ago at Wauwatosa East. We need to give them the support as well because they feel marginalized. They feel afraid, just like our students. They feel that they, they can't raise their hand and say, wait, that's not fair. That's not right. That's not factually based. So part of our long game plan is to give them support as well. Our plan overall is to be on every campus to reach as many students as we can in as many different ways as we can and to start earlier and earlier to match, to match the efforts of those on the left. We can't wait. We gotta be involved in the game right now. And I'll just end with this. We've got a great counter to what the left is selling. Right now, the left are the ones who are divisive. The media loves to turn that around, but think about that. People on the left, particularly on our campuses, but all throughout society, are trying to pit one group of people versus another. If you don't agree with them, it's not just a difference of opinion, it's not just a debate that you might have, it's you're immediately branded as something bad, a Neanderthal, a racist, a sexist, a homophobe, a, a transgender-phobic individual. No, they can't debate the issues, they immediately go to the personal attack and try to pit one group versus another. I think part of that goes back to the Decades ago, when Marxist uh, philosophers and activists were trying to impose their point of view on the American people, and it failed. Why? Because unlike some of the other countries around the world where they did have an economic class-based system, in America, we don't. We're a classless society. You can start out the poorest of the poor and rise up to be the CEO of a company or the leader of a state or, or even the federal government. There are no specific classes that people are stuck in. Uh, the opportunity is available to everyone. So when they failed, I think over time, they figured out a strategy to come back. And instead now today, again, BLM, remember, is not, is not what it appears to be. So many of us have tried to expose the fact that even the organizers have admitted publicly that they are Marxist sympathizers. They are Marxist activists. Uh, when you look at critical race theory, overwhelmingly, the evidence increasingly points to the fact that this is part of an effort not just to focus on race, but rather to focus on pitting one group of Americans versus another, be it on race, on gender, on sex. This is what this is all about. I just, before coming in to tape this, saw yet another crazy story about how San Francisco, or no, excuse me, Oakland, is not giving $500 relief checks to white families living in poverty. Do they not live in poverty? I mean, this is, it's just such an affront to what uh, one of our, our obviously most famous and most substantial civil rights leaders in the history of this country said. When Dr. King spoke on the mall and gave his obviously famous I Have a Dream speech, uh, one of the most important lines was saying he wanted his children to grow up in a country 
where they'd be judged by the content of the character and not by the color of their skin. That's directly at odds with what we see from so many of these Marxist activists trying to pit one group of Americans versus another. And so we've got a powerful message. Our, our message to young people is simple. We love America. We know that in America, it doesn't matter where you come from, what you look like, what family background, what economic status. In America, we want to make sure that the freedoms and opportunities that have been available to prior generations are abundantly available to you and everyone else in our society today. It's a message that doesn't vary by interest group or identity politics. It's a message that's true, young or old, black or white, gay or straight. It doesn't matter who you are. The message is simple. We want freedom and opportunity available for everyone out there. That's a powerful, powerful message. And to be able to get that message out loud and clear to the masses, particularly to our young people from the earliest of ages all the way through uh, walking in the the campuses of our colleges and universities across this great country, we need to put in place the long game to make sure that our students have access to free speech, to free speech opportunities, and to freely share their beliefs with their fellow citizens, and in their case, particularly their fellow students. Join us at the long game. Get your free copy, yaf.org, yaf.org slash long game, and join us, not just in the battle of today, but join us in the war for the heart and soul of America. Until next time, I'm Scott Walker. Keep fighting for freedom. <music>